Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. It is really good to be with you. Good to have you guys here with us this morning. If you are new or visiting, I just want to say welcome. If there's anything that we can do to help you get connected to the community here at River City, we'd love to do that. Come find me or Becky or anybody else that you've seen up front. Uh, we'd love to have you get connected to the community here. And so uh, come find us if there's any way we can do that. So uh, I'm looking forward to opening God's word with you guys this morning. Uh, this year, we've been working our way through the gospel of Matthew, just kind of chunk by chunk, thing, uh, time at a time. And, and uh, so um, the whole book of Matthew is really about, the, the main theme of the book of Matthew is about the king and the kingdom. That's the, the overarching theme that Matthew keeps drawing out over and over and over again, is that Matthew is all about revealing the king and the kingdom. Nathan, you can probably just turn it down and that should get rid of get rid of some of that. Um, so what defines Jesus's kingdom, the, the kingdom that's the theme of the whole book of Matthew, what defines Jesus's kingdom is the redemptive rule and reign of God that he is bringing into the world through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapters 5 through 7, Jesus painted for us a picture of, of what it looks like when, when his redemptive rule and reign invades our lives and our communities. And then in chapters 8 and 9, we saw Jesus bringing his, his kingly authority to bear in people's lives and, and how he healed and restored and, and renewed people's lives and their situations and their stories. And, and then in chapter 10, we saw Jesus sending out his disciples, his kingdom ambassadors out into the world. And in chapter 13, what we've been seeing is that Jesus is, again, teaching us about his kingdom. And this time, it's in the form of parables. And you see, parables, as we've talked about the last few weeks, parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. They're, they're everyday analogies that are meant to help us understand really profound spiritual truths. And so as we wrap up our time in, in Matthew 13 and the parables of Jesus' kingdom this morning, we're, we're just going to be looking at the last uh, two of the shortest parables in the whole, in, in all of chapter 13, just three total verses. Many of you are like, awesome, it's a nice day, we're going to get out of here soon. Uh, hopefully that'll be the case, right? <laughs> but as we wrap up our time in Matthew 13, uh, I think what's important to see is that the, the profound truth that we see in these three little verses cannot be understated. The profound truth in these three verses cannot be understated, you see, because what we're going to see Jesus teaching us this morning is that his kingdom is something that is worth giving up everything for. His kingdom is worth losing anything to have. And when by God's grace he causes that truth to click in our hearts, it will be the most joyfully transformative thing in your entire life. So to that end, let's pray, and we'll read God's word and study our time together this morning. God, we are so grateful for you. We are thankful for your goodness. We are thankful for your faithfulness. We are thankful for all the ways that, that you are so loving and gracious towards us, God. And we have this morning, as we gather, we are thankful for your word, and we're thankful for community, and we're thankful for the ways that you take care of us and the ways that you lead us towards you. And so, God, we just humbly ask as we come together this morning that you would be graciously at work in revealing the truth of your word to our hearts and to our lives. And God, we just say we, we come uh, without what we need uh, except from you. God, I don't have what I need to be able to teach and speak rightly without your spirit filling me so that our time might be fruitful and good. God, I ask humbly that you would. God, that you might fill me with your spirit so that our, that our time in your word would be fruitful and powerful and good because it comes from you. God, and we need you to give us hearts that are able to respond to your word rightly. God, we, we just confess that 
outside of your spirit at work in us. God, we don't respond rightly to you and to your word. And so we ask, God, that you would graciously enable our hearts to see you for who you are and to see your word rightly this morning and to be able to respond. God, we say we really need you. And so, God, we are grateful that in our need for you, you, you promise to meet us. And so, God, we just come humbly looking forward, expecting all that you will do, just looking forward to the ways you will encounter us as we study this morning. Thanks that you are good. Thanks that you love showing yourself to us. We ask that you would this morning. Amen. And well, this morning we are in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, two of the shortest parables, the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl this morning. Verse 44 begins this way, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away. He sold everything he had, and he bought it. See, there's these two simple yet incredibly rich parables before us this morning. In the first parable, there's this guy who, who accidentally finds a treasure that's hidden in a field. And we don't know exactly what he's doing in this field. Maybe he's been hired to plow it. Maybe, maybe he's taking a shortcut home. Maybe he's burying a dead body. We just don't know, right? You get, we don't have any. We just don't know the answer to that, right? But while he's there, he uncovers this incredibly priceless treasure. And you and I might think that that's kind of weird to just like, so you're just like wandering in a field and then treasure? Like, how did, that's not really, how did that happening? But, but you have to understand that back then, they didn't have banks. Banks weren't a thing. And so if you had a, a treasure, if you had income, if you had something that you wanted to keep safe, you just buried it. And there was so much upheaval and turmoil in those days and in that time. It was not uncommon for somebody to bury something, head off to war, and then just be killed or gone or some disease to come. And, and so it, was not that, it wasn't all that uncommon for, for people to find buried treasure. It'd be kind of like today if you heard about a guy who was cleaning out his Depression-era grandparents' house as they passed away, and when he went to move the bed, he, he found their life savings in cash under the bed. You see, that doesn't happen every day, but it does happen. And so this guy, he comes across this treasure, and, and then he goes and he sells everything he has in order to buy this one field that the treasure is in. The second parable is really similar with a few small distinctions. There's this parable, the, the treasure that's found is a pearl, and pearls were incredibly rare and incredibly valuable in the ancient world because they were especially hard to come by, right? There's no diving equipment, right? You couldn't just like endlessly scuba dive to find pearls. Like they were, it was very rare and hard to find. And so this guy is a merchant. He knows what, he knows what something that is incredibly valuable looks like. This one's not surprised. He's been searching, and he finds this incredibly great treasure. It's a, it's a wealthy merchant, and he finds, this, uh, he finds the treasure of a lifetime that he has been looking for. And just like the first guy, he too goes, and he sells everything he has so that he can, he can buy this treasure. See, stories of people finding treasure circulated back then just like they did today. And just like they did, looks like they do today, they intrigue us. And that's the same that it was for the people in Jesus' day that heard these parables 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is using this intriguing storyline to wake people up who are listening to the reality that there is a treasure that is far greater than any treasure 
that the earth has to offer. You see, at the heart of these two parables, the same message, that Jesus' kingdom is a treasure like, unlike anything else. It's a treasure that's worth giving up everything for. You see, submitting to Jesus' redemptive rule and reign is a greater reward than everything this world has put together. And it's worth giving up everything to have. It's worth giving up everything to experience. And see, this one treasure makes all the other treasures pale in comparison. So as we study this morning, I think there's three things that we see in, the, in these parables about the treasure Three things about the the kind of treasure that Jesus' kingdom is that I want us to see this morning. The first thing we see is the, we see the value of his kingdom, we see the cost of his kingdom, and we see the joy of his kingdom. See, I like to, I like to listen to podcasts. I don't know many of you, maybe you guys like to listen to podcasts, maybe while you're driving. My wife hates listening to podcasts, so I just put a headphone in or something or whatever, right? So, I love listening to podcasts. I do it all the time. And one of my favorite podcasts from a few years ago is a podcast called Startup. And it uh, follows this guy as, he, as he's starting up. His, the first season follows this guy as he's starting up his own business. And then subsequent seasons end up following different people as they're starting up their own businesses. And one of the key parts to starting up a company is, is getting investors to back you. And you have, to, you have this great idea about something you want to do or something you want to build or some, something you want to bring into existence, some, some idea. But you need to raise the capital in order to bring it to life. You need to raise the investment to bring it to life. You have this great idea, but you don't have the resources in order to bring it about. And and so you call up all the people that you think have lots of money and that you could convince to give you money to bring about your idea, to bring about the thing that you want to see happen. And so the question that, that happens in all these seasons of this show, The Startup, right? The question is, how much is this imaginary company that doesn't exist yet, how much is it worth? You see, because what happens is you essentially, with all these investors, you essentially sell them part of your company. And so the question is, how much is your company that doesn't exist yet? How much is it worth? It's the question of valuation. What, what is this company worth? You see, and the, and the reality is, is that what you are willing to risk or spend has everything to do with the valuation as an investor you put on the company. What you are willing to put in, the amount that you are willing to put in, has everything to do with how much value you think this company has. So these two guys in these two parables, one normal dude, one wealthy merchant, one stumbles upon a treasure, the, the other one is endlessly searching for one, but what happens is that both of them encounter something that makes everything else in their lives look like worthless junk by comparison you see these see the value of something is found in what you are willing to give up to have it and see jesus this morning he's telling us about his kingdom that his kingdom is like that his his kingdom is is you, when you see something of value that's found in what you're willing to give up you know, it, Jesus is saying that the, his kingdom is, is of immeasurable value. You see, these guys, they probably had to sell a lot of things they really loved. Incredible record collections, right? Really important priceless robes and head things. And who knows what else they had to hell, right? Some baseball cards probably. Something, right? Something of incredible value they had to sell. Whether it was personal or whether it was, it was valuable to them or valuable to everyone, right? You see, what happens in both these parables is that these two men have found something that's worth giving up everything else to have. See, and Jesus is saying, that's what my kingdom is like this morning. 
That's what my kingdom is like. It is worth giving up everything else to have. When, when you see me for who I really am, when you see all that I have done for you, when you see my redeeming rule and reign, when you see what it's like, when you encounter and experience, what you'll realize is that, is that there is nothing better, there's nothing this world has to offer that you wouldn't be willing to give up in order to come under that rule and reign. You see, there are other things of incredibly great value, but there is nothing more valuable than Jesus and his kingdom. See, the truth is, these, these two guys, they probably looked pretty crazy to everyone else around them. You imagine the first guy, he comes home to his wife, right? He's like frantically like shot, like shooting through the front door. He's like, we need to sell everything, right? Go get, how much do we have in savings? Get the stuff out of the closet. I've been putting some money away in this jar under the thing in the sink. And the wife's like, wait, what? Where has there been money hiding under the sink? I can't remember, right? And, but she's like, wait, just look, hold on. What is going on? And the guy's just like, I found a treasure. I found it. And so the wife is like, all right, well, I'm getting all my stuff now, right? She's running around the house and trying to get everything, and they're gathering all their stuff up so they can go sell it immediately and buy the one field. You see, buying the field, it doesn't make any sense unless you know what's in the field. It doesn't make any sense unless you know what is in the field. Those guys' friends, he probably looked like it just in, like someone lost his rocker. Their actions, they seem inexplicable unless you understand what they found. You see, and what they both found is a treasure whose value is beyond comparison, of which it is immediately obvious to both of them. There isn't anything they own that isn't worth giving up for this one treasure. You see, but the parables, they don't just teach us about the value of the kingdom. They show us the cost of the kingdom as well. You see, Jesus' kingdom isn't just worth selling everything for. What Jesus is showing us this morning is that it requires selling everything for. You see, both this blue-collar dude and this rich merchant, the treasures that they find, it requires both of them that they sell everything they have so that they might possess the treasure. Not some of it, not, not most of it. He says, all of it, it requires a total surrender and all in. You see, Jesus, I just want to be clear this morning here. Jesus is not teaching that we can buy entrance into his kingdom by the thoroughness of our commitment. He's he's not saying that the thoroughness of your your commitment, your willingness to give everything, that's the thing that buys your way into the kingdom. He said, your willingness to sell everything is the way that you receive the kingdom. You see, total commitment is the way that we receive the kingdom, but it is not the way that we earn the kingdom. See, I'm not telling you this morning to sell all your stuff and to live in poverty. What I'm saying is that we need to write blank checks to God with our lives. So often what we end up doing is just writing IOUs and trying to give God our spare change when we have a little bit extra. And God says, I'll be king of everything or I'll be king of nothing. See, God's asking for us to give him lordship, to give him kingly rule and authority over absolutely everything in our lives. He's asking for your career to be his, for your money to be his, for your marriage to be his, for your sexuality to be his, for your kids to be his, for your home to be his, for for your location and where you are to be his. He's asking for your time to be his and your stuff to be his and your desires to be his and your hopes to be his and your dreams to be his and your goals to be his and your aspirations and your futures and all that you long for he's saying will you give it all to me you see that's what worship is 
Worship isn't just singing songs here on Sunday mornings. Worship of us giving our lives back to the king who has given his for us. You see, Jesus is not just any king. He's the king of all kings. He's worthy of everything we have to give. Brandon, you might be asking me this morning, do you just want us to have nothing then? Do we just kind of just suck it up and grit it through life and just give up, give up any joys and any things we have, right? Do you, do you just want us to hate our lives and just deal with it? And, and I just want to say no. But I want us to be satisfied with Jesus. Man, God's really been... <laughs> That's really been at work in my heart on that this week. It's a tough question to preach, let alone to ask yourself. This week we had our house reappraised. We're trying to get rid of PMI, and, and so we had our house reappraised, and God's great, his good timing. And I'm, I'm writing this sermon this week. I'm, I'm, I'm asking the questions, right? What is it the thing that I treasure the most? What's the thing that if Jesus asked me to give up, I, I would have a really hard time doing? So this week, uh, so our house is getting reappraised. I'm just wrestling with Jesus. I'm just like, God, I, I, I know that in my heart I see this place as a gift, but I don't know if I could give it up. If you ask me to move, if you ask me to give this to you, like, I don't know if I could this morning. God's been just graciously persistent with my heart this morning. Like, I don't think God's asking me to move or sell my house. <laughs> but he's asking me to write blank checks to him. Is there something that I would not sell to have him? Man, I think if I don't, with from my heart, as I was just trying to be honest with my own heart this week, I feel like God was just graciously convicting me because I feel like there's a lot of, there's too many things that I would have a hard time giving up if Jesus asked me to. See, this morning, you see what we see in these parables is the cost of Jesus' kingdom is that it requires that we give him everything. There can be no ifs. There can be no reservations. Jesus says, I'll have it all or I'll have nothing. For you, what would what would you not sell if Jesus asked? Your house, your career, your, your salary, your, your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your dreams, your goals, your, your plans. Whatever that is, is the thing that we love more than him. That's the reality of Jesus' word this morning for us. You see, the, that, the sad thing is, is that those things always let us down. They, they always fail us. They always leave us wanting because good gifts make really terrible gods. C.S. Lewis, in his famous sermon in The Weight of Glory, he wrote this. He said, if we consider the unblemishing promises of, of the reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised to us in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And so like ignorant children who want to go on plant making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. 
He says, we are far too easily pleased. All oh, those words like stuck into my heart this week. See, the truth is my own heart and what I realize about myself is that I am indeed far too easily pleased. And I pursue and I settle for all this stuff that's just trinkets instead of the real treasure. You see, but that leads us to the last thing that we see about our, the treasure that Jesus' kingdom is this morning. You see, Jesus talks about the joy of his kingdom. There's this little phrase in the parable of the treasure of the field. Maybe you missed it. It says that in his joy, the man went and sold all he had. It doesn't say, and once he sold all he had and got the field, he found joy. It said, in his joy, he sells the field. He sells everything he has. You see, the value of the kingdom is incomparable. The cost is everything to have. Oh, but it's a treasure that makes selling everything all the joy. You see, there is joy in the selling, not just in the getting. Why? Why? Tim Keller, he notes this. The reason is because the reward beggars the sacrifice. Jesus' kingdom is, is the deal of a lifetime. Give up what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. Give up temporary pleasures for eternal joy. Give up trinkets for true treasure. It's not a sacrifice, it's just smart. If something costs $500, is it expensive? Well, it kind of depends on what it is, doesn't it? Right? If I said it's like a pair of socks, yes, it's a pretty expensive pair of socks, right? Maybe some gold-plated, right? Maybe it connects to your iPhone. I don't know, right? Like built-in heaters, something. Who knows, right? I said, yeah, it's a, it's a brand-new car. Well, that's not expensive. That's incredibly cheap. That's like the deal of a lifetime, right? You see, whether something is expensive or not depends on what it is. You see, surrendering to Jesus' redeeming rule and reign in your life, it will cost you everything you have. But the question is, is it expensive? It's the best value in all the world. Matthew 19, 29 reads this way. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. See, Jesus' kingdom, he's saying that the value is incomparable. The cost it, will, it requires that we sell everything, that we write blank checks to him. But there is a joy in the midst of it that cannot be satisfied by anything other than him. There is a life that's found in his kingly rule and reign and surrendering to him and giving everything to him that cannot be found in anything else. And there is a joy that will fill your heart and your life in surrendering to him that nothing else can bring. And so the question this morning is, do you see the kingdom like that? Do you see his kingdom like that? Do you see his kingly rule and reign in your life and in this world? Do you see it as the treasure against which everything else pales in comparison? You see, is his kingdom the treasure, the thing that you value most? Is it the thing that you would joyfully sell anything to have? Maybe it's not this morning. Maybe you want it to be, but you don't know how. Maybe it was but it feels like it's lost its luster. Maybe it never has been for you this morning. And in either case, the, the invitation is the same. You see, how do you start to treasure something you don't already treasure? 
I think one of the most helpful things we can do is, is begin not by repenting of our, our lack of ambitions, not by repenting or turning from, from our bad behaviors, but really by returning from our, by repenting, by acknowledging, by, by admitting our lack of love. See, the truth is that we love stuff more than we love Jesus. We love our dreams and our goals and our ambitions and our pursuits and the pleasures of this world and of this life. We love them more than we love him. And so the invitation for us all this morning is to begin by repenting of our lack of love for him. Repent by the fact that we are not captivated by him, by his great love for us as, as made known in the, in, the, in the cross and in the gospel. You see, you see what the truth is, is that the king of the universe came to be murdered by people, by his own creation, by mutinous rebels, so that we might know him and love him and have right relationship with him. You see, it's the king of the universe who gave up everything so that he might have right relationship with us. See, that's the beautiful picture of the gospel. See, there is nothing more beautiful than Jesus. There is nothing more captivating than him and all that he has done on our behalf for us to make us right with him. You see, this week I've been trying to wrestle with how to teach this morning. What do I say? How do, how do I... How do, how do I, what stories do I tell? How do I, how do I give stories about the good side of things where I've, I've, I've chosen to give up all that stuff and, 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 to walk, and to walk into joy in him? And this morning, I think what I, God's just been putting in my heart is just an invitation to invite you to repent with me. Because what God's been putting on my heart this week is that I love stuff and I love things more than I love him. And God's been gracious not to, I feel like, to let me sit in the weight of that this week. And I just want to invite you, as I've been doing this week, to be honest with God about the stuff that you love more than you love Him. Not to be vague about it, not to be, not to be, uh, not to be just, just, just fake about it, but to be honest with Him about it. You see, the beauty of the gospel is that it's repentance for a hard and unloving heart that starts to soften your heart for Him. See, it's repentance for a lack of love that always begins a love. I don't know if you've ever had a, a fight with your wife or, or with your spouse. Right? What's the thing that brings you back together? Right? It's when one chooses to come and to repent for a lack of love, isn't it? My actions were unloving. What I said, what I did, how I treated you, the way I lived. I didn't love you well. What does that always do? It begins to love again, does it not? Tim, Tim Keller, again, he writes this, there, there is nothing that starts to melt your heart like repenting for a hard one. Repent that you, have not, that you are not ravished in the, in, by Jesus. And to be ravished by him is the only way to make Jesus your treasure. And the only way to face life with joy is to value him like that and to see, that all, see all that he is and all that he has done. You see, maybe this morning you're like the blue-collar guy who, who stumbled upon a treasure in a field. And the, what you're seeing this morning is that, that the treasure of Jesus and his kingdom it surprised you this morning. And the reality of it is, has been God's been graciously just speaking it to your heart this morning. And you're starting to see the glimmer and the shine of, of the treasure that his kingdom is. Or maybe for the first time you are seeing him and his kingdom for the beautiful treasure that it really is. Or maybe you're like the merchant and you've been searching for something your whole life. You have been trying one thing after the next. You have been amassing pearls. And they do have value. But they do not have the great value of all. 
You've been trying lots of things, but in the end, all your treasures have turned out just to be trinkets. And the joy has faded, and you're on to the next thing. And what you realize is that the treasure you have been looking for all along is Jesus and his kingdom. And no matter where you are at this morning, I want to invite you. I want to call you to give up the worthless trinkets that you are holding on to so that you might possess the true treasure of Jesus and his kingdom. So buy the field. Sell everything that you might buy the field. You see, in communion, what we do every week is that we remember the treasure that we have in Jesus. You see, communion, it reminds us about the cost You see, the bread reminds us of Jesus' body, which was broken for us as he lived the life that we were supposed to live. And the drink reminds us of Jesus' blood, which was shed for us as he died the death that our sin deserved to die. And you see, in communion, it it fuels our joy because what we're doing is we're remembering the surpassing value of what Jesus died so that we might have. You see, and we remind ourselves about the gospel every week because we so often forget. You see, we forget how much we need Jesus. We forget how greatly he's met our need. We, we forget what really gives life and joy and meaning and purpose, and we settle for all kinds of other garbage. And so we remember every week we remember him and all that he has done so that we might have right relationship with him, so that his redeeming rule and reign might be made known in our hearts and in our lives. Communion, it doesn't make you right with God. It does not save you. It doesn't change your status or your standing with it. Instead, it's an opportunity for us to remember the gospel, to set our hearts on the joy that fuels our lives. You see, the bread and the juice, they're in the back. There's a table on the left and on the right. And during our time of worship at the end this morning, you can go whenever you feel led. And just you go and you dip the bread in the juice and, and you take communion that way. You don't need to be a member here at River City. You just need to belong to Jesus. But if this morning Jesus is not your treasure, he's not the one that you see as the most beautiful. He's not the, his kingly rule and reign in your life is not the thing you long for more than you long for anything else. If you don't see it as the treasure to be had, I just encourage you to hold off on taking communion this morning. Receive him before you receive communion. You see, he's what you need. He is the treasure that your heart is longing for and what you need more than anything else is him. As we take communion, as we sing this morning, I just would encourage you to invite you, talk with God. Ask him to show you what you value more than him and his kingdom. Ask, ask him to, ask, to show you what he's asking you to give up, to sell, so that you might experience the surpassing reward of his kingly rule and reign being manifest in your life. Ask him to captivate your heart with his glorious goodness. Oh, that we would be a people that treasure King Jesus more than anything. That his rule and reign in our lives might be the thing we long for more than we long for anything else. My prayer this week is that 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 longing and that desire would ongoingly transform us into a community. That's one who's generous and humble and loving, but more than anything, one who longs to share the greatest treasure of all. For our good, for our joy, so that many would come to know and love and follow Jesus, but more than anything else, for God's great and abiding glory, that he, the treasure upon which everything else pales in comparison, would be valued for what it is. Let's pray. King Jesus, we are so grateful this morning that you would give us your word and that you would teach us that the value of your kingdom, God, its cost, its joy, 
God, thank you that your kingdom is really actually worth giving everything for. God, I pray that you'd be graciously at work this morning in our hearts. God, for those who are here this morning, they're like the, the blue-collar guy who just finds the, finds the treasure in the field who are surprised by it. Jesus, I pray that they would see the surpassing value and worth of it. God, for those who are like the merchant who have been searching their lives for something of greatest value, God, I pray that they would see that you are the thing they have been looking for. God, that your kingly rule and reign, your redeeming rule and reign is the thing that their hearts have been longing for and seeking for and, and pursuing even though they didn't know it, God. And so I pray that you might call them to surrender to you. God, and for all of us who, who maybe we know that the kingdom is the treasure, and maybe we have felt that way and have lived in light of that, but it's lost its luster for us. King Jesus, I ask that you might remind us graciously God, about the treasure that your kingdom is. God, would our hearts be captured by you and by all that you have done so that the joy of living for you might fuel our lives. Jesus, thanks that your kingdom is not just a treasure. Thanks that it's not just good. Thanks that it is the greatest treasure of all. God, help us to see it for what it is. Help us to see you for who you are, King Jesus. We cannot do that without you opening our eyes so that we might. And so, God, would you graciously cause us to see. We need you, King Jesus. We love you. Amen.